0: Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week, we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel. We're talking about the book of Revelation as we continue in our questions about heaven series and we're in Revelation chapter 1 and we're now in the vision of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to take you back to Daniel chapter 10 and see when he had a vision of the Christ, his reaction. Daniel chapter 10 it says, "I Daniel alone saw the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves." So in the presence of Christ, even in not visually seeing him, the, the the ominous power of Jesus Christ has struck them so much that even they start shaking. But why continue on here? Therefore, Daniel says in verse 8, I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. In other words, the best that I had seemed just... Filthy, absolutely filthy. That's like in Isaiah chapter six, when Isaiah comes in contact with the realization that he is standing before a holy Lord God. He says, Woe in me, I'm undone. I'm an unclean man with unclean lips. Daniel feels the same way here. Though my comeliness was turned to me into corruption, I had no strength. I kept no strength. Yet I heard the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, Then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Daniel collapses in the presence of this one Jesus. John is going to be encountering the glorified Christ as well. John's seen him on earth. John has known Jesus. He was a disciple. He was there constantly with the Lord. He was next to the Lord asking him, He even referred to himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved. He was familiar with Jesus. What happens here? Because this is when Jesus is unveiled. This is when everything is taken and made open and we see the glorified Lord. The four biographical books of Jesus, the Gospels, those four books, that was Jesus in his humiliation. And if you want to say this, he was clothed in flesh. He was contained. His glory was contained. John could handle that as a sinful man. He could see that. But now in seeing this risen Christ, even in this vision, it is just stunning to him. Well, what am I talking about? In Revelation chapter 1, we're seeing, as we're walking into the book of Revelation, this vision of Jesus. This is who Jesus really is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then, as I told you, the Greek word apocalypsis, the name of this, um, whole book in the Greek merely meant the unveiling. As I told you, you're in a broad you go to see a Broadway play, open up the curtain, look and see what the play's about. That's the unveiling. Go to the kitchen at Christmas or Thanksgiving, open up the oven, see what's cooking in there. That's an unveiling. It's apocalypsis. Open up the treasure chest, see the treasure inside. Apocalypsis, that's the unveiling. Open up the book of Revelation and see who Jesus really is. More than a carpenter More than a miracle worker, more than one that makes loaves and fishes for the multitudes, more than a great teacher, more than a healer, and more than a great preacher. This is Jesus who he really is. And we see the appearance of him, and some of it is in symbolism to let you know of his greatness and his strength. I'll start with uh, verse 13. It says, we see the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about if you want to use that term in the old King James in the King James version it would say girt about kind of like braced about in the middle with a golden sash and he has that there his head and his hairs were white like wool as white as snow his eyes were a flame of fire and his feet unto like fine brass as they burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters Verses 13 through 15 of Revelation chapter one. We've got something magnificent here as John, who was familiar with the Jesus on Earth, now sees what John is seeing here is Jesus whom he really is. The, the voice of the trumpet was calling to his attention, as we saw earlier. The lampstands represented the churches. Jesus is in charge of the church, but now we see the vision in itself. in the midst, the Son of Man, all right. So when we see this, that is a humble name, and yet it is giving you the idea. This one who was once humble is now the king of all kings. All right. Now, you take a look here, and it says he was clothed with a garment down to the feet and then girded about the chest with a golden sash. Now, when you see this robe that goes down to the feet, and we had talked about this earlier, There were very few people that walked and traversed in those days that had robes down to their feet because the usual, let's say what we would uh, give the equivalent to here in America would be middle class. The regular folk would have robes that would be up near the knees because they move about, they're working, they're kneeling. Uh, hammering, sawing, carrying uh, all kinds of uh, equipment, groceries, things like that. All right, so these men are going around with robes that are not long that would be confused around walking and stumbling things. So you'd have to have somebody in a slower moving with more dignity and more properness in whatever they're doing, okay? So one would be king. Kings would have robes down to their feet. They don't need to be moving about in labor that was uh, menial. In the tasks of the day and so that would be the monarchial uh, presence of this uh, the appearance of this and isn't jesus our king i mean this is a great parallel here we're seeing jesus as being presented as the king here you also had judges would have robes down to their feet they are at the bench they are making these uh wise decisions and not moving about as a matter of fact in order to totally concentrate They're there, and that robe is a position of honor as well. And isn't Jesus also our judge? We said that, you know, as he is here, he is more than just a savior now. And then you also see that priests would have the robe down to the feet. They are moving about, and they are serving the Lord, and that service is also worship. That's interesting, because that's the word in Revelation 22 and verse 4. It says, his servants shall serve him. And that word, latruo, in different translations, might one might say, servants serve him. Other translations would say, servants worship him. It's the same word. Service in the temple, in the tabernacle, is worship. And in heaven, it says, our service is our worship. And this is what's going on here with the priests. They are in worshipful work. And Christ is our high priest signified by the golden sash about the middle. See, there's only one that would have that. Now, we know, we talked about this, the uh, symbolism of the sash uh, there uh, in gold. Anytime you see gold in the Bible, it is to remind you of deity, divinity. Christ, the very center of Christ, is the fact that he's God. We see that. And also understand this, that that sash about the middle on there signifies the high priest. Only one would be wearing the robe with the sash. And isn't Christ our high priest? We rejoice in the fact that Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, we have a high priest who can identify with the trials we go through. It's an amazing thing to see that Christ is signified here as king and as judge and as high priest. He can exact judgments but he also shows mercy through his sacrifice in the high, as the high priest, not only giving a sacrifice or beyond giving a sacrifice, he was the sacrifice. So We continue on here, and as that, went, uh, that, that uh, passage goes down, and we see that John is looking at this, it describes, in, even in more detail, that the vision of Christ, his head and his hair were white like wool, As white as snow, his eyes are like a flame of fire. Feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. Well, the first thing we see is white is purity. Okay, we see that. As we see in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. Remember that? We've always talked about that when we talk about discussing things of the Lord, that we talk about them in a reasonable way. We talk about them in learning Remember this. This was one of my favorite verses whenever I was growing up. One of the verses that actually helped me lead me to salvation, that we were learning. God says, come, let us settle this. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Isaiah 118 tells us, though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson, they will be like wool. It's signifying the fact that white is showing us that it's pure. And we see this symbolism all the way through the Bible, and it's here. This is the pure one. This is Jesus, who on earth and in heaven has no sin. He continues to be pure. But we also see something else. In the book of Revelation, we see this description of white hair is a symbol of wisdom with age. I think that's so powerful, too, because in the Middle East, when I went over to visit in the Middle East... I was treated with respect. I'm treated with respect here for the most part here in North America. But over there, oh, how I was treated with great respect by uh, the different ages because I have white hair. I'm 62 as I'm giving you this broadcast right now. And I was amazed at whenever I would go to ask a question that uh, the different uh, civilians and even the soldiers would turn around in great respect and attention to me because they're taught in the Middle East, and I kind of wish we'd teach it more in the Western civilization, that with age comes experience, comes wisdom. And indeed, we know that God himself, in the even in the book of Daniel, is called the Ancient of Days. And in our culture, that might be, well, he's old and decrepit. No, no, not at all. In the Middle East, they understood. That means wisdom, wisdom with age. That is a wonderful, wonderful truth here. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 9. It says the ancient of days that is giving God that wonderful, wonderful reference there as well. His eyes, though, his eyes are a flame of fire. And whenever we look, we see many times uh, we see the fire represents holy judgment, holy judgment. Think of it. Moses goes to the bush. He says, Lord, what is going on here This burning, and you basically get this. That symbolizes the judgment that will go upon the oppressors against Egypt. We see Sodom and Gomorrah, the judgment coming down on them. Fire, holy judgment from heaven. Look all through the Bible, and you will see, every time you see fire, you're seeing holy judgment. Jesus' eyes are showing this, the fire of judgment. And think about it. When you are looking about a room trying to find something or you're looking at people trying to get the correct answer, your eyes are searching, searching, searching for a hint on their face, searching for a clue in the room. This is what Jesus is doing. The eyes of the flame of fire are looking around and searching and seeing, are you a child of God, or are you one that goes only by nature to call yourself uh, just a label of Christian, but you've not shown the true love and devotion, or as I like to tell people, You've given your life, your love, and your loyalty to Jesus Christ. And God's going to find that. And the Lord here is looking. I'm reminding you of Matthew chapter 7. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom. Remember that. There are people that give the appearance that fool the rest of us. But the eyes of the flame of fire, that's uh, totally different in seeing that. And I hope those that are uh, listening to this right now, my dear friend, if you're listening, and you've just made an ascent, and maybe Revelation is just to you like a comic book. Uh, it's exciting, and it seems you know, to be very adventurous, but you're not taking, as Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 say, you're not taking the depth of the word and applying it to your life. Well, then there's no salvation there if you're not applying these things and keeping the words, which means you're going to hear the truth and make a decision for this if you're not a believer. Finding that, that is a very, very powerful uh, truth that we're seeing this in the opening of this book. It's letting you know that you know, throughout this book, judgment comes upon the unsaved. and That is uh, shown here. Brass, his feet, as it says here, you have uh, different uh, translations. We'll either call this bronze or brass, but the same thing. And it says this, his feet were like unto fine brass, as if they were burning in a furnace. So his feet will, could be you know, glowing white hot, maybe red hot here. Well, what does that stand for here? Well, the first thing in Exodus chapter 27, here's a hint. When we see the sacrificial altars in the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 27, for example, they were made of brass. We're looking at something here. The brazen altar is showing us something about the need for sacrifice in the face of judgment and so we see that first symbolism but we're also known this too this is telling us as well that this is a stable one brass was known to be the strong metal and in this strength could you say this jesus is moving about walking definitely in judgment you know there's a there's a thought among many people, that God is a benevolent Santa Claus type of a a, a character who is going to allow everybody in. And, uh, you know, after all, you know, you have to be merciful to everybody despite the fact that they have no care for you. Well, that's just not true. You know, in that, any more than you would sit in an easy chair and allow people to come in at a party or at a gathering and just trash your home in front of your eyes, and then ask you if they can take away some of your most precious treasures in your house, electronics or cash, and you're like, sure, sure. After all, I want everybody to know that I'm very, very benevolent. Now, I want you to think about in the human terms. Would anybody really respect you? No. Oh, you might be generous, you know, uh, in your eyes. But people say, well, he has no backbone. I mean, he didn't stand up for what he owns or what he believes. What's well, it's the same way. Why would we think God would say... Well, you can go about anything in your life, even blaspheme my name by your words or your actions, or just be indifferent to me, but sure, I'll give you all the treasures of the kingdom. That's not, the, that's not what the Bible tells us at all. John chapter 14, Jesus directly says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And the Lord is constantly telling us that there is a very narrow path to come to salvation. Few there be that find it. But in that, in understanding, the treasures of heaven are there in your obedience. I mean, think about it. Matthew chapter 25, the faithful servants are ushered into the joy of the Lord and the honors are bestowed upon the faithful servants in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 12, the faithful servants are brought and they are seated and the Lord himself will serve him, them. And you see all of these wonderful, wonderful just rewards and love bestowed upon the Lord for the faithful. I'll remind you, Revelation 22, twelve, the reward is given for those as they have served on earth. And a servant is one who's showing loyalty and love, and that's what it's saying here. And yet for those that are rebellious and feel that they can go without the Lord, well, that that the refining process of brass is taking out all the impurities when it is white hot in that smelting process there is a burning away and we think of how there's a continual reminder that the holy judgment anytime you see fire in the bible it's holy judgment the holy judgment comes upon all the world and those that are pure in christ will be able to enter into the kingdom the others will be sent away in that burning away. They will be out of the presence of the Lord. This should be a reminder for us as we are looking at this, that this Jesus is a wonderful gift-giving Jesus to the loyal and the faithful as we see and taking us home. But also there's a terrible judgment against the rebellion and a non-compromising judgment signified by the eyes of the flame of fire the robes of the judge and the feet of justice being stomped out. May we remember this, a sober note in which we finish this. In Revelation chapter 1, we've been reading through 13 through 15. John now understands the beginning of the magnitude of who this Jesus is. Thanks so much. Let's continue our talk in Revelation chapter 1 in our next podcast.